It's good to have volunteers, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's three people here, you know, speaking of uh, volunteering, there's three people, uh, there's a lot more than three, but there's three people this week I was thinking about um, that, you know, make huge sacrificial um, decisions, you know, for our church community to be able to survive. And I think they're people you should know about, and I think they're people that you should thank. And, and I want to just share a couple, just a couple of them with us this, this morning. So the first one, y'all know Carissa, right? So Carissa is uh, our kids' church leader. And, you know, when Don and I first met her, it was really interesting. I met Carissa in a couple Bible studies uh, that Doug Bauman was hosting. And, and it was like immediately she was obviously very passionate about kids and Jesus and the kingdom. And, and, uh, and I was like, you know, when I first met her, I was like, man, she, she would be a really great kids' leader. And uh, I didn't really say anything, though. I just had that in the back of my mind. And then Dawn met her, and Dawn was like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. You know, she's, like, so passionate about Jesus and kids, and she's got all these different ideas. And, you know, so she, uh, she joined our team and has been an absolutely uh, amazing part of it. She just really loves kids, though. If you are around Carissa, you'll know that she really wants to see Jesus um, involved in people's lives and kids to like know Jesus and to learn how to interact. And, um, you know, in our kids' ministry, um, there's kids in there every single week that are going through some really serious things in their, in their life, with, in their home life. You know, and I, I just want you to know, like, one of the beautiful things about our kids' ministry is that there's kids that come here that will open up and share the things that they're facing, and they're afraid of, of things for their parents. Um, how many of you, if you're married, have ever been in a fight in front of your children? Yeah. yeah? How many of you have been in a pretty good fight in front of your kids? You know, right? Some of you, yeah, right? And it's like, uh, how many of you have ever come over to my house and had a fight right in front of me? Raise those hands up a little higher. Well, okay, thank you. Just kidding. But like, uh, you know, I mean, life can be really hard and our kids see that. And then there's other kids who, who watch their parents struggling with addictions and are trying to, to overcome that. And they love their, their parents and they want to pray for their parents. And it's like, there's a lot of really cool things that happen in the kids ministry. And Carissa and her volunteers get to see that. And and if you're one of the volunteers, you're part of this too. We're so grateful for you. And we need more volunteers. This is another thing that we need to buy into. We're talking about next generation. This is an area that we need to really invest in. And so Carissa's amazing. Next time you see Carissa, let her know that you really are grateful for what she does because she does sacrifice a lot for Jesus and for the kingdom and for our church community. Next person I want to highlight too. And also, Chris is amazing, right? Okay. All right. Next person. I hate, I hate acknowledging this person. I don't want to talk about him. Everything inside of me. The other day we went fishing and he caught more fish than me and he has not let me forget about it ever since we went out fishing. I feel like he cut my flies off. That's what I want to say. But, but Mike Belitho, um, is in, is leads our building and grounds team. There's been numerous Saturdays, you, many of you have heard us talk about this, there's been many Saturdays we'll, where I'll come in in the morning to like work on some church things and he's here out in the yard fixing things, mowing things, cutting things. Um, Mike is here all the time. He never complains. He's always willing to serve. All the time. Mike's, Mike's amazing. Um, don't let it go to his head. Look at he's 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 walking over there. He's like, yes, my people. 
Get, bring, bring it on. I'm a better fisherman too. Whatever. Okay. So Carissa, Mike, great, great additions to our team. And then I want to talk about this lady right here. Hold on. Calm down. Full disclosure, she's my wife. Uh, she's also one of our pastors, but she would never, ever do what I'm about to do. Um, but Don spends countless hours behind the scenes uh, here so that everything goes smoothly. Um, she, she works really, really hard at doing things that no one ever sees, um, but they're all really important. And let me give you one of the most important things that she does. She oversees our coffee team. And... Some of you have told me, if you ever stop having coffee or donuts, I will not come to church here. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, okay, Don, this is really important. But she, she does all these different things like that. And then um, Don meets with people one-on-one, and she's made a huge impact on people's lives. And she does all that behind the scenes. And, and what these three people have in common, you know, as I was thinking this week about how God is at work and how our church can make a difference in people's lives. Um, these are three people that you need to know about, and I think we need to be grateful for them because they're sacrificial. I mean, they sacrifice time and energy and finances. Um, they, they don't do what they do to be in the limelight, though. Like all three of these people I know right now are cringing on the inside because we're talking about them and we have a picture of them on the screen. Like That's not why they do it. Why do they do what they do is they do it because they want to make a difference in people's lives right? I mean, amen? They, they do. And, you know, so I see them, they're sacrificial, they're generous, um, they're faithful. You know, they are, they are here regardless of whether or not it's convenient. They serve. They're willing to do that. And so, you know, we're in this sermon series. We started last, last uh, week called Next, and we're talking about this idea of investing into our future. And, and I'm thinking about that through a different, a number of different lenses, you know, on one hand, we're thinking about investing in the next generation. Like as a church, we have to decide whether or not we want to be a church that's the frozen chosen, you know, or a church where, where we age out to where there's no more sounds of kids running around and making noise and being annoying because we want them to be annoying. Do you know that? Right? It's, it's, that's important. Like we want to be a church where kids can be kids and are thriving and are learning about Jesus. And, and as, as adults, we're investing in them. We're saying, yeah, we believe in you. We want to see you continue to grow. We've also talked about young adults. Like, I mean, it's, it's generally younger people who have the, the foolishness to sell everything and go into missions, generally speaking, right? Right? I mean, it's like younger people oftentimes haven't been punched in the face enough to be able to know that you probably shouldn't do that. You know, it's like, it can really affect your 401k. They're like, I don't know what that is, but I'm gonna go, right? So like, we wanna invest in the next generation, young people, teens, young adults, just people in, in general. We also said last week, we, we also want to um, have a value for every age group in our church. So we're thinking about next, but I also wanna think about it in the sense of like, next, next things that God might be doing in our church or new ways to reach people. Um, because when I think about our church carrying out our mission, and our mission as a church is to know Jesus and to make Jesus known, when I think about that, I think about how, you know, we're going to have to pivot at times, and we're going to have to be, be creative in the way that we might reach different people that maybe are marginalized or overlooked, or we just don't know how to connect. Is there anybody in this room who would agree that there's some people you are completely unaware of how to connect with? 
Yeah, like there's certain generations or certain demographics. You're like, I have, no, I got nothing. You know, like that's me and my wife most of the time. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you know. And like, there's all these different people in our lives that sometimes it's hard to, to figure out how to connect with. And so we have to be willing to, to try new things and to take risks. And, and I know for a fact that we'll never be able to make a difference here in Red Bluff though, unless we have people like Carissa, like Mike, like Don, and like many, many other people in our church that are willing to, to commit to serving on a team and are willing to be faithful at that and give of their time and their energy. We need more of that. Like that's where we're at as a church is we have to really buy into that. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of scripture in the book of Galatians and, and really have us kind of wrestle with the implications of what Paul is, is writing. And so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10, and spend a little bit of time reflecting on. This is what Paul writes here. He writes, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And so, Holy Spirit, we, we ask for your help this morning as we think through how this passage applies to our own individual lives. Would you expand our vision, expand our ability to see how we can live out the story that you are writing, and that we would buy into the overwhelming value, the unimaginable beauty of Jesus and his kingdom. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, so ultimately in Galatians, uh, Paul's dealing with a number of different things. So Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia uh, that was really not doing great. I guess is the best way to put it. So he had, he had been involved in this church, and after he left Galatia, some, some false teachers came in and started saying, hey, listen, you know what? In order to be saved, what you actually have to do is you have to be circumcised, and you have to follow all of the Mosaic law, all 613 laws that are listed out in Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, you need to do those things, and then you can experience salvation. And so he's dealing with this church, and, and when you read Galatians, it's pretty heavy in chapter 1. In fact, Paul uses a lot of language that would be considered uh, pretty strong. You know, like when he writes to the Philippians, it's very obvious that he has this warm relationship. But when it comes to the Galatians, he essentially is saying, you morons, wake up, Okay. He says, you morons, you need to wake up. You're being so foolish. You have bought into a lie. Now, I kind of like that about Paul because there's been times in my life where I was a moron and I needed somebody to say, stop being a moron. Anybody else ever in the room ever need somebody to say, stop being a moron? Yeah. You just want to be selective of who gets to do it, right? Can't be a spouse. Just decided. But there's this thing happening in Galatians and Paul starts out and he's really, really angry and he's laying it on thick. And then when it gets to chapter 
5, what Paul does is he switches gears a bit and he starts really casting vision to the church in Galatia. And he's casting vision about them needing to. He's encouraging the church to be more into the life of the Spirit. He's trying to get them to understand like you have to, you live by the Spirit. Your salvation is by the Holy Spirit, but you also need to walk in the Spirit. It's not enough just to say, yes, I've received your salvation and then go about your day. We have to actually live out our faith and walk in the power of the Spirit Monday through Friday as well, not just on weekends. And so he's really encouraging the church in Galatia to to be guided by and empowered uh, by, by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's something that we as a church are definitely wanting to see more of. You know, I had, I had a friend, I met this, this gentleman probably like 15 years ago, uh, and I met him at a, at a pastor's meeting. And this guy came in and pretty rough background. You know, he had a ton of prison tattoos and he had just gotten out of prison like three years before that. And he was sharing this story about how while he was in prison, I think he had like stolen a couple cars or something and was involved in, in, in you know, theft and ends up in prison, but he goes to this Bible study in prison, and he went, you know, mostly just kind of like to get away from doing something else, and then he, over time, is in a Bible study with the guy who shares the gospel with him, and then he comes to faith in prison, and he's like, he's like, oh my gosh, I, I want to follow Jesus, starts going to Bible studies all the time, and then he gets out, and in, as soon as he gets out, he starts going to churches, and a lot of these churches that he would attend the first time were kind of like, you know, you look different, you look weird, you know, you're not really part of us, and gave this vibe where he wasn't welcomed. But then he showed up at this, this friend, of mine, uh, friend of mine's church, and they welcomed him, and they loved him. They're like, we don't care what you look like. You know, God looks at the heart. Come on in. They welcomed, they discipled him. And after three years, he started to really sense that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him about ministering to other people in prison. And he's like, I think, I think that that's what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. And I talked to him about this time because he was starting this ministry um, to, to reach other, other people in prison. And so he starts going in, and, and over time, he starts leading more and more people to Jesus. And just the other day, I saw he posted this, this video of him in this prison where there's hundreds of prisoners, and there's this big worship service, and all these people who are in prison were worshiping and, 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 and learning about Jesus and, and wanting to live their lives differently. And obviously, there's probably a few people in that, in that scenario that might be just going to that meeting that are just doing it, and they're not really, really sold out for Jesus, right? Are you willing to admit that? Just like here? Right? I mean, right? I mean, like, we don't know people's hearts, but, but this friend of mine, he, he, he saw the work of the Spirit in his life as he, as he was growing and learning to sacrifice more, and he started to sense that the Holy Spirit was, was calling him to do something about it. And, and so we see this in Galatians, Paul is basically saying, listen, I want you to be willing to surrender every area of your life to my guidance and to my direction. And so Paul is, is also in this passage, is he's using this agricultural language. He's talking about, about sowing and planting and reaping and harvesting. And, and, he, and he's laying this out. And what we really need to buy into is that all of the hard work that we do to sow and to plant, all of that stuff that we do, it, you know, when we invest and we serve and we give and we make sacrifices and, you know, like when Mike, when he shows up Saturday morning when it's 185 degrees and he mows the lawn or, 
You know, when people show up in the morning uh, to do certain things, ultimately those are all worth it because God moves in and through those things, those small steps of faith to make a difference in people's lives. That's what I think is so beautiful about the kingdom of God. It's like these, these little acts of kindness, these things that people may not even see end up being a part of this grand big thing that God's doing in people's lives and it all plays a part into how people come to faith. So I think that we need to sow more, we need to plant more, we need to serve more, we need to buy into what God's promised to do in our community. Someone who I've seen do that in the last couple of months, maybe even you know six months now to a year, is Terry Rapley, who's here right now. Right, Terry, hi. Terry started to sense that God was calling her to use her gifting to share and to speak and to teach in our church. And it was like, that's the most amazing thing that someone would be willing to do that, right? To take that risk, right? And it was happening over time. And so I think as a church, we've seen Terry clearly has this gifting. She's sensing that God's calling her to that. And then she surrenders to that. And so let me tell you, tell you this. If you're a church leader, if you're in leadership in our church, if you serve in leadership in any way, let me challenge you to do this. Come up with three things. Three things that you can add into your daily rhythms that can make a difference in people's lives and do it for three months. And then let's have a conversation to see if God uses those seeds that are planted to bring harvest. Now, maybe you know, there's many people in the room who are like not involved in leadership. So here's another challenge for you. If you just go to church here, if you're just like, I just come on Sundays, leave me alone. Okay. Why don't you add three things into your life that you can begin doing that are different than you've been doing? Like, for example, somebody told me like, hey, you know what? Every single day now, what I'm doing is when I'm praying in the morning, I'm going to send three text messages to three random people just to let them know that I'm praying for them. And then I'm going to see what happens. And they've been doing that for like two months. And they're like, oh my gosh, so many people have been like, you literally have no idea that I was on the verge of giving up. And then I got your text. Little, little acts of kindness, right? Or, or maybe in your workplace, you begin to do something just a little bit different with the people that you work with or your employees or your boss. You just do those little things and see what happens after three months. If you're not sure where to begin, like I have no idea, let me tell you about three things you can do. Start praying every day. Start reading your Bible every day. And then get on a serving team and see what God does. I mean, because I can tell you story after story of people just doing these little things and, and seeing God's, God's work through them. And that's one of the things that I, that I wanted to really share this morning is that, like, y'all don't know, y'all don't know the impact that you make in people's lives. Like, you might be at the door greeting somebody and you make, a, you literally change the course of their day because of the smile that you have. Like, isn't that weird, though? Like a smile makes that big of a difference. But I know it makes a difference in my life when I walk in and somebody smiles and doesn't punch me in the face. It's a great day. It is just feels good, right? It's just, it's just good. So Paul is fleshing this out. He's saying, don't quit, don't give up. And in Galatians, you know, there were a ton of really huge challenges that the church was facing in the first century. And they had two primary things, two things that they were facing. They had these two ideas that were permeating the church. And the first one was this idea of legalism, as I just mentioned. Like, no, you have to follow all of these rules. If you don't follow all 613 laws from the Mosaic Covenant, you cannot be saved. 
And then what was happening is there was a group of, of people who were like, nah, that's not what it is. What it is, is we just need to know God's grace and mercy. And you know what? You can do whatever you want. You can actually live however you want. So it's this idea of legalism and licentiousness. So you have one group saying, you have to keep all these laws. And the other group saying, there are no laws. And they were both, these two tensions were at, ten, they, were, they were working against it. And Paul's like, no. That's not the answer. But they were facing these huge challenges in the first century, uh, trying to figure it out. And because of this, what's happening is many of the Galatians, they're beginning to lose heart. They're beginning to be overwhelmed. And so think about our church. In the past seven years, we've been here for seven years. We've, uh, we've gone through some things. There's been several times where we felt that way. I know there's been times where some really beautiful, amazing families moved from Red Bluff and, and, and abandoned us and... And like our, I think about them all the time, and I'm not saying Nikki Walter, but Nikki Walter, uh, or you know, uh, the, the Kyler and his wife Crystal, the Burks, when they left. There's been families that have moved on, and it's sad. It's like, oh, they were. We love these people. These people were so dear to us, and that's been hard. Um, or, or we've seen people who give up their faith, who who turn from Jesus, and then dive back into and get sucked into addictions or other things that are just ruining their life. That's, that's heartbreaking too, isn't it? And then we went through 2020, and we'll just leave it at that. And the world that we came, <laughs> came out of that, we we're just like, oh my gosh. But living in the world that we live in, it's pretty normal to struggle. And I think it's normal to become weary and to lose heart. And it's, it's to these fatigued and spiritually exhausted Christians that Paul makes his appeal here though. He's writing to people who are exhausted. And he says this, he says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up. And so the Galatians had started out super, super strong, but now they're in this place of, of, they're in danger of losing their love for Jesus. They're in danger of being diverted from pointing people to Jesus. So like they started out with this commitment to seeing people come to know Jesus, and then they started to get, get off course a little bit, okay? And they weren't serving, and they weren't, they weren't together in unity for the purpose of the church. And so Paul encourages them, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just keep on being faithful because he says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. So the time and the money and the energy that we invest into the kingdom, it's going to have an impact. It will make a difference in people's lives. It will bring a blessing. And we just have to keep on going. Let's stand up together. I want to tell you about something that I, I think the Lord is, is doing now. And then Don's going to pray for us. Um, in the last, like, you know how things will, will happen in your life and there'll be a change, but sometimes it happens so subtly. You're like, it's like, if you look back in three months, you're like, oh, wow, there's been some big changes. Anybody ever notice that? Right? So I've, I was... This week, I was really thinking and meditating a lot about like my life and my time that I spend with people. And um, something that I've noticed in the last three to four months, there's been this uptick in people who are connected to our church, who are coming to our church, or who are you know, trying to maybe reach their families. But there's been this uptick in, in a significant amount of addiction um, issues, um, 
heroin, uh, cocaine, fentanyl. There's been there's people in our church community that have kids who are struggling with that or loved ones, and it seems like this has been like a, a thing a thing that's happening more of. Okay, um, and so I've talked to some other pastors and leaders, and what I've what I've heard from a number of people is that is that this is like happening more. And so I, I feel like God might be, no, he won't, he's not, he might not, it's not, he's, he might be. We need to ask ourselves, what does God want us to do about that? Amen? Like we really need to, need to like really think about that. And so I've been praying and I think that, that God has kind of brought some things to our community that we're going to be doing in the near future that will help us be able to reach people who are trying to get out of that. Um, and that's just one of the things. There's, there's lots of other things too that we need to be open to. But like when I think about our church, um, if our church didn't exist, the question is, would anybody notice? I think that's a good question, don't you? Like, would anybody notice? And so there's all these people who are, who are hopeless, who are lost, who are, you know, maybe they just can't make rent. You know, there's tons of different things that people are going through. Um, you know, that we have a calling, I think, as a church to live out our mission. And our mission is to know Jesus more intimately, more deeply, to really know who he is, and then to help other people know Jesus. That's our mission. It's super simple. Know Jesus and make Jesus known. And so I don't know about you, but I feel like what God's been, been, been stirring in us is to really think about what's next for us. Like we need to invest in the next generation. But we also need to be thinking about what's next for us. As these needs around us arise, are we going to stand with our hands in our pockets? Or are we going to open up our hands and say, God, have your way, have your way. So let's pray. And if you're here, and if you'd be open with this, you know, one of the ways we like to pray is to hold our hands out like this. In the vineyard, we've always done this, and this is our way of doing a couple things. You don't have to do this, but it's a way for us to say, God, I surrender to you. What is it that you want to do in, in my life? And, and so, Father, as we are here as a community, we want your direction. I know that you love Red Bluff. You, you love Red Bluff. It's just not, this is not a, a place that you despise, but you want to be at work here, and you are at work here. So would you guide us and direct us in how we can make a difference in people's lives, beginning with the small random acts of kindness that we do to the more formal, organized, planning things that we do. Would you help us to make a difference in people's lives? And we hold our hands before you to say, Lord, have your way. We surrender to you. And Lord, I just pray... Um that you would help us be intentional with our relationships that we have outside of the church, Lord, that you would continue to open our hearts and our minds to um, the people that you are bringing in our paths to share your love, to share your hope, to share um, trust when there's distrust, Lord. I pray that you would continue to help us grow in our walks, Lord, so that we wouldn't be scared to step out and share what you're doing in our lives, Lord, or, or share that there is hope. We thank you so much for this, Lord. We thank you for this message that Luke taught, and I pray that we would continue to just keep instilling in what he taught today, Lord, and what's next in the next generation, and if we're intimidated by different scenarios or different ages, Lord, I pray that you would open our minds.
to what you have for this next season in our lives, Lord. We thank you so much for this. In your holy name, amen.